Welcome everyone to the Design 101 podcast. The goal of this podcast is to celebrate all things interior design, lifestyle, and business. Join me each month as I sit down with some of the best minds in the business to open up the conversation and help you on your journey to interior design enlightenment. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to Design 101. I'm your host, Amanda, and today's guest is Varian Brandon, the business breakthrough coach. Varian is most often referred to as a business coach, but more than that, she is a mindset mentor, a highly skilled group leader, and a gifted inspirational speaker. She holds a master's degree in business management and corporate communications, and also has a bachelor's degree in organizational communication. Varian's journey as an entrepreneur began in the 90s when she began cultivating her skills as a stellar saleswoman. But after 17 years of impressed clients and bosses alike, she began to feel really limited. She wanted to do something different, something bigger. The thought to become an entrepreneur was both exhilarating and terrifying, something all of us can relate to as business owners. But she decided to become a corporate runaway and turn her talents and passion for helping women into really showing them how to live their best lives in a profitable and rewarding business. Now she dedicates her life to being of service to women, helping them grow and maximizing their passion and purpose. Love that. Join me as I sit down with Varian today, best that we can be in our businesses. I am so excited today. I have Varian Brandon on the show. Welcome to the show, Varian. I am so happy to be here, Amanda. So happy to be here with you and your community. Yeah, I'm excited. I've been trying to get Varian on the show for several weeks now. She is a busy lady. So I, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I want everyone to feel privileged that we have her here today. Yes, I know. We've been trying. We've been like, okay, does this date work? Does, does that date work? And so I'm so glad that we finally got a date that worked for the both of us because I'm excited to be here and just have an opportunity to chat with you. Yeah, it's really great. Uh, Varian and I know each other. We used to be in a coaching group together. And one of the reasons why I really wanted to have her on the show is that she's kind of generalized, I think, as a business coach, but she's so much more. And and her and I had the opportunity to meet a couple weeks ago down in Florida, and it was so much fun to get back together. So I knew I had to have you on the show. Well, I'm so glad. And so I just can't wait to get started. Let's talk, girl. Yeah, let's talk. Um, So, you know, uh, I I have a pretty good idea as to what it is that you do. But for the audience who is new to you and is not familiar with who you are, tell me in your, your own words, what is it that you do? Well, like you said, Amanda, in many ways, you know, it's kind of generalized as business coaching because I focused on all aspects of, you know, small business growth. But if I were to hone in on an area, I really work with service-based entrepreneurs and help them master the art of sales. And you used to have a career in sales, which I think is fascinating. Tell us a little bit about your background. Absolutely. I spent about 18 years in a corporate sales environment as a very successful sales professional for a corporate 25, a Fortune 25 
company. And so I had the opportunity to really hone my skills and really become very successful at closing the sale, at connecting with my prospects, as really understanding what that sales process is all about. Because I believe, and I think that it's really true, that if you don't master the art of sales, especially as an entrepreneur, there's no way that your business can survive. So I like to say that I help purpose-driven entrepreneurs change the world one sale at a time. Sure. And when you got into the corporate world, did you know that you were going to be selling? Did you know that you were going to be good at it? Or did you have to hone your skills? You know, I didn't. It's not when I went into this particular organization that I went in specifically for sales. I started in another department um, initially. Member services at that point was... um, where I started, which is basically just a customer service organization. And so I was there for about nine months and I had come in contact with the sales of vice president. And just after the skills that I had just even shown in member services, one day we were on the elevator and she was like, hey, when are you coming to work for me? And I'm like, okay, whenever you're ready to hire me. And so within the next six months, I was in the sales organization. And over the next 15, 16 years, I was really able to hone those skills, really able to learn what it meant to be a masterful salesperson and how to really incorporate that into everything that I did and became very successful at it. So no, I didn't always know that I'd be good at it, didn't even know that I'd be doing it. But I'm so glad that that is a skill that I have honed, a skill that I have mastered and continue to master because I believe that it is at the very foundation of any successful enterprise or organization. Well, and really anything. It doesn't matter if you're a mom working at home trying to petition for something at the PTA or working at a Fortune 500 company. That's right. Or if you're trying to, you know, sell yourself to your mate. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We're always selling because selling is just one's ability to influence another into their particular, you know, way of thinking, way of doing things. So, yes, we're always selling. And I don't think that is something that people realize because a lot of people will say, you know, I don't like to sell. You know, I, I, I don't want to sell. I don't like to sell. But you're doing it all the time. You just haven't been really intentional at doing it. So what really helped you in those 18 years to really hone your skills and become an expert as a saleswoman? If I had to choose one thing that really helped me is to listen twice as much as I talk. A lot of times people who are new into the sales world or new into sales as a profession, if you will, they think that to be successful or proficient at sales, it requires you to just talk, 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 and try to convince a customer or try to sell a customer, if you will. And that's one of the things that has turned most of us off as it relates to sales over the years, because we've had these people who just, you know, we would call it in our organization who showed up and threw up all over us. Oh, goodness. That's great. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's what we call it. Show up and throw up <laughs> when you're just there and you're just constantly talking about all that you have, all that you can do. And you've never stopped once to get an understanding of what the customer needs. You've not taken the time to connect. You've not taken the time to say, you know what, let me seek first to understand, to borrow from Stephen Covey, and then to be understood. And so I think that is, if I had to choose one thing that's most important to be a successful sales professional or just, you know, to to sell successfully in anything, like you said, is going to be to listen twice as much as you speak. And do you think that that is why, and obviously I'm going to favor women over men here. Yes. <laughs> but do you think that that's why women in general are better salespeople? 
Um, you know, actually, uh, I don't, I don't know if I would say, you know, women are better. I mean, in that respect that they know how to connect uh, with people naturally a little better than men, I would say yes, that we have that. But I think where women may fall down as it relates to the sales process is that they'll get all the way up to the ask and they yeah. don't ask for the business. They don't ask for the sale. Correct. Because women um, traditionally, and of course I'm generalizing, but more often than not, I mean, none of us you know, want to experience this, but more often than not, women are more um, susceptible to not wanting to be rejected. Uh, and so anytime you ask for a sale, you're putting yourself in a place of someone saying no. And so I think that's where, you know, women, they, they can get to the, the whole process of no like, and trust, you know, because we know how to connect. Most of us, we know how to really listen and really cultivate relationships, but we'll get right up to the point and we never ask for the sale. And I think that's why women are really making such a huge difference in social media because we are experts at connecting and yes. building relationships. I mean, you know, Amanda, I think you're one of the most expert people I know at doing <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm all over the place. I, I, I always say I'm the whore of social media. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, I... I I'm very good at connecting with people and finding people. In fact, the the podcast that I was recording earlier, we were talking about different coaches in the design world and every single one of them that she was talking about and that had worked with, I'm like, oh yeah, I know them. Oh yeah, I know them. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and I thought I was pretty good at connecting, but even just having the opportunity to spend some time with you, you even inspired me to even do more, to even broaden that and expand on that. So it's definitely you know, something that we all need to do, especially if we're going to endeavor into the sales process. Well, and if you are an entrepreneur, you really have to add it. You have to have it in your business because it allows you to touch people and be in connection with people that say 10 years ago, you wouldn't have even been close to. Correct. Yes. And I think a lot of times when we look at it as connecting instead of, of the, you know, networking, because a lot of us, we just hear that word and it sends chills up our spine, you know, like, oh my gosh, I don't want to go to another networking event. But if you really begin to change or reframe it and just see it as an opportunity to really connect with someone and really connect with them on a real level, not any of this, you know, I'm just pretending to get to know you because I want to see what I can get from you, but really connecting with the person to get an opportunity to understand them and to see even first, you know, what can I give to you? You know, yeah, how can right. I help you? And and that's definitely a paradigm shift that is necessary to make, I think. And I think that's happening a lot just in business in general. I've, I mean, that's really where social media has been great for me is that I give basically to everybody that I connect with. I want to know how I can help them. I want to know how I can better their business or their um them personally as a designer, how I can make their business better, them individually, whether it's self-care or not. I'm like the biggest advocate for yoga that there is. <laughs> um, but that giver's gain mentality, kind of like B&I, it's just like give, give, give. And the reward is so much bigger than just trying to get that one sale. Right, right. It's definitely, I, um, oh, I was going to say, and I think you know her, there's a copywriter, one of our colleagues that we met in the coaching program, Lisa Mannion, she wrote something the other day that I love so much. She said, the, the revenue is in the relationship. Yep. 
And that's definitely true because it's long term. Gone are the days, you know, where where you can expect to just walk in and and get people to, you know, buy from you or explore your services. People want to be in relationship even with the people that they do business with. And so it's definitely about relationship. And the easiest way to get into a relationship is to give first. Yeah. And that no like and trust has never been stronger than it is now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that people have, with the um, Enrons of the world and Bernie Madoffs of the world, <laughs> yeah. the economy plummeting, I mean, I think people just feel victimized. So Absolutely. they are really looking for, you know, they want to trust you before they're going to invest in you. Absolutely. I know that's how I feel. And so I assume that all of my prospects, all of my clients feel the same way. So that's very important to me. To build that. I agree. So you have an immense amount of education behind you. Did you get your education while you were in the corporate world or prior to entering into the corporate world? Actually, it kind of overlapped, you know, undergrad. And then I did my graduate degree, um, you know, once I was already in my career. So they kind of overlapped. And what made you decide? One of the things is I love the fact that you have a master's in communication. What made you decide to want to get that degree? You know, because I've always been fascinated. Even when I was a little girl, I've always been fascinated with words. Me too. I've I love words. always been fascinated with words. I would sit for hours on end. I can vaguely remember it, by my, but my mother would tell me these stories that I would always tell her, come to her and say, you know what, talk to me about the ologies again, you know, like zoology and all of the different ologies. She said, I would always want her to talk to me about different words. And so I just have always been very intrigued about the power that we all have in our ability to communicate. Yes. I believe that there is nothing that cannot be said. I believe that, that you can say anything you ever want to say if you understand how to deliver it appropriately. And to be able to master the language, to be, I mean, you can construct an entire relationship. You construct your life with words. I mean, everything that we do hinges on our ability to be able to uh, masterfully and proficiently use our language. And so, it was a no-brainer for me that I would go into communication, and I make the distinction because there's communication, and then there's communications with the S, and the communications with the S is the medium of communication, like broadcasting, radio, TV, newspaper, all of those types of things, but I was focused on communication, which is the art of communication. I love that, and you're right. It's such a platform. It's one of the reasons why... I love my blog so much because it gives me a foundation to speak my voice and speak to my audience. And I talk with so many other designers that they're not involved in social media and they really want to be a part of that social network. And they're terrified to write a blog because they feel like they have not the right grammar or they don't have the right voice. And I just say to them, Yes, there's a part of that that's important, but it's also such a platform for you to orchestrate your words the way that you are to attract your audience to you. Absolutely. And they don't look at it that way. It's like when I bring that up to them, they're like, oh my God, you're right. I'm like, you can read my blog. And I, you know, a lot of times I write it way too fast and I write it at midnight and I'll go back like the next day when I've had a cup of coffee and a few hours of sleep and I'll be like, oh Jesus, I forgot half the punctuation in this. <laughs> but 
it's such a great platform and, and the audience that I attract are authentic to me because of yes. my voice. Yes, absolutely. I mean, people can pick up on the very essence of who you are. It's like, <laughs> I like to say, it's kind of like a dog whistle. Yeah. Absolutely. We all have a very specific voice and those individuals who have been called and who have been created to understand, attra be attracted to, to really hear what we have to say. It's like a dog whistle. They hear it and other people will hear it and it won't even matter to them. They'll keep going. They won't stop to read. They won't stop to listen. But there'll be some who are just magnetically drawn to your voice because you are the person that they were meant to hear from. I truly yeah. believe that. I do too. I, I I think that that is so true to, and we ourselves do it. I mean, I know that I'm attracted to uh, other blogs because of the way that they write or they speak and they're not perfect, but right. it, it, because they are authentic to who they are and they embrace it. I love that. And you know what, Amanda, I think going back to even your point about social media, I think that's why social media has, you know, really caught on in the last several years because it is a place of imperfection, if you will. Where people can just speak and be who they are. I mean, of course, you want it to be where people can understand what you're speaking about. Right. But you don't have to be so, you know, formal and wondering about, you know, is this going to be, you know, acceptable to, is this MLA or ALM or all of those different um, citations we used to have to do back in college? and yeah. it's going to be grammatically correct, you have the opportunity to just really connect on a humanistic level. And I think that's great is that we don't have Emily Post like leaning over our shoulder that right. we can, you know, <laughs> speak our voice, be authentic, and we're not going to get slapped with a yardstick. Right. <laughs> you know, so, and again, you, you can really tap into and connect with people that 10 years ago, you wouldn't have, I mean, you would have seen them maybe on television, but you would have never been able to connect with them. Right which I love. So you really do specialize in working with women. Why did you de decide to work specifically with women? Well, you know, the easiest answer is because, you know, I'm a woman and I understand the dynamics of women in business, especially women in sales. And like we spoke about earlier, you know, having spent over 18 years in that particular profession, in that environment, I know what it takes to succeed at selling as a woman. And I also understand how difficult it can be if you don't understand it. Hmm. Do you ever work with men? I do. And the interesting part about it, I think the nature of my personality, I have a very driven personality, a very D personality, a very um, thinking personality for those who are familiar with Myers-Briggs. And so very direct. So just by the nature of my personality, it has allowed me to align well with men. So I do have some male clients, even though the majority of my clients are women, I do have some male clients because I've found that I'm able to connect with them in a way that, you know, sometimes, and, and I mean, being in a sales organization in corporate America, most of my colleagues were men. Yeah. So that may have, uh, you know, also contributed to my ability to connect with men on a certain level. And I think it would be, my opinion would be, and it's the one that counts. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, I would think that it would be invaluable for men to hire a woman coach because a lot of times men are so analytical and they approach something so black and white where women do not. There's, there's a lot of gray areas for women and I think that we do have a better way to connect and I think that a woman coach could benefit them in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think, you know, it goes both ways. We can definitely benefit from each other because there's certain skills, certain assets, certain 
um, you know, certain traits and characteristics that we all bring to the table as men and women that are different. And if we could learn to tap into each other and begin to balance ourselves by pulling on those strengths of our counterparts, I think we'd all be able to be more successful, more valuable. Hmm. So what are one or two things that are your favorite things about working with I was going to say women, but just people in general, what do you love about coaching? You know, what I love about coaching is the opportunity to contribute to transforming someone's life. There is nothing better than that. There is nothing better than getting some, getting an email from someone or getting a call from someone and they're saying, oh my gosh, if I had not connected with you, if you had not taught me this or if you had not shown me this, I would not have been able to get X, whatever that result is. There's nothing better than that. I mean, of course, we all um, love um, to be paid well for what we do, but there's something about contributing to the success of another person that for me that's priceless. That's not something that you can buy. And then as it relates to women, because that is, you know, the majority of my clients, what was really, what really pulled me toward um, at least a quasi focus on women is because we are in a world where many times it seems that women, we sabotage each other more so than we help each other. Yeah. And so I wanted to be a champion for women entrepreneurs and leaders and to be able to help them in manifesting their dream lifestyle through business. I love that. And I, I think you're right. I think we do um, not not even so much which we do. I've seen it in my own industry as far as sabotaging one another. But I think that we also sabotage our own success. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's like in our DNA, but it, I, I can definitely see a difference between um, we're both driven, but where we have more purpose and we want to help others and we give. Mm -hmm. um, and give more freely than we do in seeking out profit. Mm -hmm. It's almost as if profit is bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I think that someone like yourself, where you could really help somebody to get that drive and put it into a profit focus so that they can see that it truly is a business. And this is something that I learned. I just started working with coaches five years ago because I was doing the same thing with myself is that it's okay to be profitable. It's Absolutely. okay to run your business and make profit. Because if you're not going to be profitable, I mean, that's the whole definition of having a business, having an enterprise, is that it's profit producing. And if you're not going to have profit, you might as well, might as well run a nonprofit. Yeah, you're running a hobby. <laughs> right. That was the biggest aha for me. I, I went to a Suzanne Evans event. Uh -huh. um, you did too. Yeah, but we it was there. It cracked me up when she said, okay, are you running a hobby? Or are you running a business? And I thought, holy shit, I've been running a hobby. Well, and you know, it's this whole thing that we as women, many of us has ha have had to deal with, you know, that we're supposed to serve, we're supposed to be nurturing, and we're, you know, we're supposed to be of service to each other and to humanity. And for some reason, what we've kind of gotten in our heads that in order to do that, we cannot profit from it, you know? And it's like, but when you think about, think about doctors, 
I mean, who else are healing and, and, you know, more in service to our community and to our society, but we don't expect to go to the doctor and not pay them. We don't expect to go to the hospital and not pay them. And all of us for, you know, depending on what our experience has been, what our family and environment has been, we have a relationship with money. And most people don't understand that you have a relationship with money. The same way you inherit your eye color, your hair color, your skin color, other habits and other things in your life, you inherit a relationship with money from your family, from your environment. And it is amazing how that secret power really infiltrates your life. And sometimes you don't even realize it. Yeah, I, I, I can relate to that. I've, I've heard that through other coaches as well, where um, just growing up with the idea, if your parents didn't have a lot of money and you asked for something and they said, no, you can't have that. We can't afford it that little tiny seed that gets planted in your head that flourishes into a tree as you're an adult. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. concept of you can't afford it. So there's that lack before you even realize it. Yes, and you get very attuned to that and that becomes your reality and that money was evil. You know, so, you know, anybody who had money, they were evil. And so you you came with this thought process that if I even wanted to pursue, you know, a a life of abundance as it relates to finances, that was not spiritual. You know, that was not a great thing. And all of these things that we have to break through just to even get to a level (laughs) playing field of saying, okay, wait. You know, no, that's not right. I'm supposed to profit from the gifts that I bring into the world, from the things that I contribute to the world. So what would you say, you've been doing this for several years now, what are the top three mistakes that you see women make over and over in their businesses? One of the top mistakes I would say is they have no boundaries. Mm. They think that in order to be of service, they subconsciously do what other people tell them to do. They run their business how their clients want them to run their businesses. And so their appropriate boundaries aren't in place and they find themselves in a place where they're just overwhelmed with all of the requests and all of the demands of their clients, not because their clients are trying to be malicious or anything like that, but because they have not put the proper boundaries in place because guess what as a woman to say no is like a curse word (laughs) yeah that's the shortest four-letter word that we come in contact with that we don't know how to say no yeah I I can definitely I see that a lot and in the current gal that I'm working with she said don't let your clients run you you are supposed to run your business that's right so What are some other things that we do wrong? The second thing I would say is that when we're in business, for some reason, and I think it's unique to women in a lot of ways, we never want to really own our expertise. We downplay who Uh. we are in business. We downplay our skills. We downplay what we bring to the table because we feel that we, it's like a, I call it false humility. You know, we don't really come into the marketplace saying, yes, I'm good at this. I'm good at this. I know I'm an expert in this. Because guess what? When we were little girls, what did they say? Don't brag. Right. You know? (laughs) Confidence is bad. Right. (laughs) But, I mean, when you are, especially when you're an entrepreneur, you have to know what you bring to the marketplace. You have to know what problems you solve for your clients. And you have to be able to powerfully stand in that place and say, yes, I know this. I know this well. And I know I can be able to help you. 
Right. Whereas the differences with men often, they will step forward and say, oh, yeah, I can do this and I'm yes. an expert and they don't know a damn thing. Right. About it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but they don't care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could have 10 years of experience and we'll downplay. Oh, I don't know if I'm qualified for that. And the man next to you has less than six months. Uh huh. And he is out there just, you know, popping his collar and tooting his own horn. And that's definitely a part of getting ahead, knowing how to express and definitely toot your own horn. Not, in, I mean, nobody likes a person who's arrogant, so not in an arrogant way, but just in a confident, self-assured way to let people know who you are, what you bring to the table, and how you can help. And that's not a bad thing because if you do whatever it is that you are good at in your field, when you show that confidence, you're basically showcasing showing your client that you know what you've hired the right person I'm an yes. expert in, in what I'm doing and you have made the right choice and investment in me because I'm gonna take care of you I know right. my stuff mm-hmm mm -hmm. absolutely and absolutely. I, I, I can agree with that 100% I know that when I graduated from design school I mean I didn't know anything and I was terrified to make a decision because it was gonna definitely be the wrong one <laughs> And now when clients say to me, oh, I'm not really sure if that's going to work, I'll flip right around and I'll say, yes, it is. And we're going to do it Uh huh. Uh huh. because I know it's going to work without a shadow of a doubt. That's right. But they it trust that instinct because they know I have the experience and they don't. And right. And like you said, that's why they're partnering with you because yeah. you do know, you know. So and then lastly, I would say, and this is one that definitely is something that I find women entrepreneurs have to deal with. And that's not charging what we're worth. Mm -hmm. We have fees that are so low that we find ourselves having to work extra time, overtime. You know, we get so burnt out because we're charging, you know, next to nothing for the, you know, our services because we're thinking, you know, a multitude of things. Am I worth it? Can they pay? What are people going to think? You know, yada, yada, yada. All of those little gremlins that exist in most of our heads until we, you know, get them out of there or, you know, keep them at bay. And so I find that charging what you're worth, charging what we're worth as women is really something that we over have to overcome. And we must, if not, we will never find that we experience the dream that we dreamt about for most of us when we went into, you know, being an entrepreneur, there were, you know, a certain lifestyle, a certain level of freedom. But how many women have you come in contact with who, yes, they own their own business, but it's just another job. They traded one job for another. Yeah, and I can definitely attest to that. I remember when I was working with James last year, um, who was our coach, for those who are listening, uh -huh. he said to me, you're not charging enough. If they don't cringe just a little bit, then you're not charging enough. And I right. thought, I will never get those fees. <laughs> I cannot charge that much. And he said, Amanda, you have 13 years experience and you've got a green pea that's coming out of school charging just a little bit under you. <laughs> now, if somebody's going to hire you or them, who do you think they want? Right. So you're absolutely right that you, we put all of these barriers in front of us of but and but, you know. 
Yeah, and it's and it's funny because I have people, especially talking to them about sales. Some people they'll be so excited and they'll say things like, you know, I have a 90, 95% conversion rate. And I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah, and they're excited about that because I mean, normally, logically, you would think, oh, hey, a 95% conversion rate, that that's great. And immediately I began to tell them, okay, if you have that high of a conversion rate, two things could possibly be wrong. <laughs> Your fees are not high enough or you're not selling enough. Because if you are not getting a no from 15 to 20% of the people that you talk to, that's an immediate sign that you need to raise your rates. Because if everybody's saying yes, they don't even have to think about it. And so you need to step into a new level of fees. Great tip. Like that. So how, and this may be a very generalized question, but for many of, I would say, the women that are coming to you, they probably already have an amazing skill set. So how do you get a potential client to see or to add value to who they are as an entrepreneur? How do you add value to their services? Well, it's really getting them to really get clear on who their client is. As an entrepreneur, and I think many times as we approach business in many ways, we start with the what. We start with what I want to sell, what I have to sell, what I want to put forth into the marketplace. We focus on the what, 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 what. When in actuality, in my opinion, we should begin with the who before we ever get to the what. Because the who is going to dictate what the what looks like. I mean, yeah. <laughs> even if at the very foundation, it's, it's still what you kind of thought about. The who and getting very specific about the who and understanding what that person needs, what they're looking for, that's where you need to start. And not many people realize that most of us, you know, when we want to be an entrepreneur, we want to do it because we think we have these great ideas or we have this great service or product. And that's not to say that we don't, but we don't stop to think about, okay, who wants this? Who's willing to pay for it? Why would they be willing to pay for it? And all of those things are really important because if you don't have, you know, a community or tribe who's ready to buy, then you're going to find yourself just with a product or a service that nobody wants. And so I really began to focus them very first, um, the first part of our work together on, okay, who is this for and why do they want it? Not why do they need it? And that's a distinction that we have to make because a lot of times we think about, oh, they need this, they need this. But as human beings, and we can all think about ourselves, we don't buy what we need. We buy what we want. Consumerism. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, if we bought what we need, we, you know, we wouldn't have the big houses, the cars, all the clothes that we have, because most of the things, at least I'll speak for myself, most of the things that I have, I don't need. <laughs> right. Well, and that's a, that's a common thing that I hear over and over and over is people start businesses with what they think is an amazing idea without really thinking about, well, who's going to buy this? I love it, but you know, you have to realize, are there a hundred thousand other people like you? Right. So finding right. that target audience is definitely key. Right. And I, I mean, I definitely can even, you know, 
think about that when I first came into entrepreneurship. You know, it was, oh, they need, you know, women need this. They need to understand this about themselves. They need to be able to do this. So, and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody, yeah, you're right. They need all that. But nobody's walking around saying, hey, I want to just be more authentic with myself. It's like <laughs> nobody's really saying that. But I have found that even through the power of, teach, of teaching women how to be um, masterful sales women, that it has really even gone into other areas of their lives where they understand about being authentic. They understand about being strong. So I still get to do the parts of my business that I really love, but it's attached to something that the marketplace wants. And then I can, um, James, you mentioned earlier, is something that James said that really made me understand. He said, you know what, you give them, you sell them what they want, and then you give them what they need. I agree with that. We as women have a hard time, you mentioned earlier, about really valuing ourselves and, and knowing what our worth is. So as entrepreneurs, um, do you have steps or ways? One of the things that I love about you, and I hate just generalizing you as just a general business coach, because again, I think you're so much more than that. I think that you really help with that work-life balance. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's like your specialty. So how do you help women really find their worth and, and to show them how much potential they have. It's focusing, getting them to really focus on what they want. It's amazing that many of us, we don't know what we want. We have been socialized and we have been conformed to what society says we should want, what our parents says we have said that we should want, our friends, our children, our spouses, you know, all of those things. And so I think the core is really getting to understand who you are and what do you want? What are your core values and how do you want that to play out for you in your business? And that's where we start because that's what it's really all about, aligning, aligning your business with the core of who you are. And because it's even when you do that, that's even the place that allows you to really begin to attract those ideal clients and attract that tribe that we began to talk about earlier, because it's at the place that you can really know who you are, what you value, what's important to you. That's where I want you to begin to build your business from, not from the place of, you know, I should be this or I should be like this. I mean, that's one thing that I love about you, Amanda. You are so 100% all of who you are. You know, <laughs> as a successful businesswoman, you're just all of who you are. And people love you. Your clients love you. Anybody who comes in contact with you, they just fall in love with you because you know what your core values are. You know who you are. And so you have built your business to align with that. Well, and what's not to love? <laughs> <laughs> No, and I think that's important. I think you're right. A lot of women, especially, we try to be something else. We're trying to fit into a box mm -hmm. that d isn't appropriate for us. Right. Of all of these things that we're told that we should be and could be and, you know, or we're doing it because we have to put bread on the table. And it's like, as soon as you step into that authenticity, that's that passion and driven purpose that you talk about, as soon as you align with that, you don't have to fight it. It just comes to you. And it's easy because you don't have to remember how to be you. Right. <laughs> that was the one thing that I was probably the greatest gift from James in teaching me is that I had a terrible habit of saying shit all the time. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, and he's like, embrace it. 
if that's what you, you know, and I would accidentally say it in front of a client and I, I could just feel the blood and my, my skin just fall. And I'd be like, Oh shit. I just said shit, shit. <laughs> and I just, when he said that, I'm like, you know what? You're right. I'm just going to start saying it. Screw You're it. Right. And the clients who, you know, don't align with that, they'll move away and they'll make space for all of the clients who are okay with that. Yeah. And it's been great. I mean, it, as soon as I stepped into uh, who I was authentically and, and what my values are, my business started aligning appropriately mm-hmm. and accordingly. And that's the only way I, I always tell people you, the only way that you really can be who you really are is if you allow other people to be who they are. It's like I have friends and we don't always agree on everything. And I have colleagues where we don't do the same things. We don't always agree. But I respect their their space to be who they are because that's the only way that I have the right to be who I am is that I extend that to everybody that I come in contact with. So I just love when people are 100% who they are. Yeah, I agree. So what, two questions. Is there a entrepreneur that is ideal for you? Like, do they need to have, say, three to five years under their belt before they call you? And then when they do call you, what's the first step? What's that look like? Well, um, I would say, yeah, not necessarily um, three to five years. I mean, I would say it could be even as small as one year in business. I don't really partner with a lot of entrepreneurs who have not yet even, you know, gotten solid on their idea of what they want to do. It's usually the entrepreneur who knows what they want to do. They just need now the structure and the strategic plan in order to carry it out. So that's who I normally work with. And it's really... Um, all types of entrepreneurs, but if I had to choose one that or a one type, I guess not just one, but the type of entrepreneur that I really like working with is one who has a big reason for doing what they're doing. You know, one who has um, purpose, feels like they're on a mission, and really are very rooted in their why. You know, why they are doing what they do, and so the first step usually is that we have a conversation, and the way that that happens is that they apply for a discovery session, a strategy session, and we begin to have the conversation to see, okay, what do you want to accomplish? And then we can talk about how I can help you do that. And you have different programs on your website as to how they can work with you, but you work with, you're down in Florida, but you can work with anybody in the United States. Is right. that right? Yep. It's, it's, it's amazing with technology and all where we are today, there are no bar- barriers. I mean, you can work with someone across the country, even across the world. You mean you don't have boundaries? <laughs> no boundaries when it comes to that. No boundaries. <laughs> so it, do you typically then, is it primarily over phone, Skype? How do you typically do it? It's really, um, it's a combination. It's a lot of it is done over phone or Skype, but I usually have opportunities where I do bring clients in and maybe for a day or for two days where we work together in person. And then maybe the, you know, remainder of our time period is via Skype or phone. So it's usually a combination because I do think that there's value in, you know, some connection, you know, where a person is just not that person over the phone or even that, you know, face on Skype. And so there's a combination, but the majority of it is through um, the phone or through Skype. What would you say is the greatest gift or tool that you typically give to an entrepreneur? Hmm. The greatest gift or tool, I guess I would say that what I bring to the table for my clients that I, I feel is the greatest gift to them Outside, of course, the practical tools and skills skills is my commitment 
to challenging them mm. to really um, I really challenge my clients to step up and to step away from their excuses and really step into their power, power place. I mean, I can be a bit tough. <laughs> I can be a bit tough when I need to be. And the gift in that for my clients is that I'm able to really confront and challenge their patterns and their behaviors that cause them to stay small. Which is that mindset that we were talking about earlier. Correct. 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 Getting them to step outside of that. Right. And I do that. And so I, I have the ability to really challenge and really push hard for people in those areas while still holding the space for them to step into their greatness. I believe that there's not enough of us holding us accountable to our potential. Mm, and yeah. so it's, it's really, you know, magical to watch because um, even though it's kind of tough, my clients, they really appreciate it. And one of my colleagues, she, she calls what I do. She goes, yeah, your clients, they, they think about it, but it hurts so good. <laughs> <laughs> without like, the, it's like a with no guilt right right you know? right because they know that it's for their good even though it can be a little challenging and sometimes it's a little uncomfortable but they realize that it's required for them to get to that place that they desire to be so I think that's the greatest gift that I, I bring to my clients is that I'm willing to go there how long does an entrepreneur usually work with you Usually at a minimum about six months, usually anywhere from six months to a year, my clients stay with me. But I do have clients that have been with me multiple years. So it just depends on what they're needing to accomplish and how they're continuing to grow their business and even grow themselves. Because I, I always say that you can't grow your business without growing yourself anyway. Well, absolutely. You have to be able to step outside of that box. So I think that that's what you really help people do is we do get in these mindsets and, and we think we're thinking big. And then you have somebody step in and say, well, why aren't we focusing on this? Or what if you, you know, expanded into this? Right. <laughs> I used to mentor young girls that were right out of uh, design school. And I would say, why can't you think like you're going to be Martha Stewart in 10 years, you know, don't limit yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's no reason to think that you're just going to be working out of your house for the rest of your life. If you want to go bigger, dream bigger. And that's why it's so important. I mean, Jim Rohn, who is one of the greatest business philosophers of our time, he died a few years ago. But one thing he used to say is that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah, and it's one so, of my favorite quotes. Yes. And so it's like if you are not around individuals who can continue to expand and broaden what's possible for you, you will find yourself, you know, playing beneath your potential. Because it's amazing what we're all capable of if we just had someone to continually point the way, show the way, show us what we're capable of. Well, and I think we've gotten so lazy. I don't know if it's because of technology or the ease and convenience of things, but a lot of us do have great potential and we've just gotten lazy. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because you need, I mean, you need a coach. And, and, and when I say a coach, you need someone, a coach, a mentor, you need someone to just continually push you because left to our own devices, we, most of us, we're going to only go as far as what's comfortable. Oh, sure. It's just like going to the gym. Yes. <laughs> it's like, eh, you know, I've had a long day. I had to get up early. I don't need to do that last three reps. I'm just mm -hmm. going to go ahead and leave. And right. then you've got the trainer who's yelling and screaming at you and you want to <laughs> cry, but then you get the six pack abs and you're like, all right, this right. is okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> totally agree with that. So 
what type of, if somebody is interested in working with you, um, you've got a lot of different stuff on your website, so they can definitely go there. But if somebody isn't really sure if they want to do one-on-one -on -one coaching, do you have other services that you provide for them? Um, sure. There, you know, VIP days where for that entrepreneur who knows exactly there may be a specific thing that they need and they say, hey, I just want to dive deep. You know, I want to go fast and I want to go far in a short period of time. I work with clients with VIP days. I also have group options where, you know, clients, they work with a group of entrepreneurs who, you know, are similar in path to where they are. So there are a few ways that they can work with me in addition to just like the one-on-one. -on -one. So, Definitely, if there's anyone listening and you think you want to just explore if we could possibly be a great fit together, a great fit to partner together, just go to the website, uh, varianbrandon.com, and that's V as in Victor, A-R-I-A-N-B-R-A-N-D-O-N.com, and just complete a discovery session questionnaire, and then we can get on the phone, have a conversation, and see, you know what, 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 what great can we create together? Yeah, I... Her website is fabulous, and she's got a lot of really great information on there. And just going to your website alone, I'm like, I want to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be one when I grow up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very inspiring and motivating. Like oh. that alone is like, oh my gosh, I need, I need to meet you. I need to know you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, is there um, you talked about the discovery? Are there any other ways that they can contact you or find you? I mean, other than the website, I mean, if they had a quick question or something, they can definitely email me at info at varianbrandon.com. Again, that's info at varianbrandon.com. But definitely, usually the beginning process is to um, apply for a discovery session. Or if you wanted to just begin to get, you know, on my list and just begin to hear my voice as we spoke about earlier and just get to know me a little better on a um, um, better basis, then you can definitely opt in there is a yes your newsletter is fabulous yeah newsletter and a free giveaway and i love this giveaway especially as it relates to sales it talks about you know what what do you say when someone asks you what do you charge that's the place many of us entrepreneurs we know it, our heart begins to fall into our shoes because we're like oh my gosh they've asked us what do we charge but there's a script there that gives you word for word what you should say and how you can find yourself becoming more of a trusted advisor and just instead of just a vendor when your prospective clients ask you that so Yes, go to the website, get that free gift, and begin to use that in your conversations. And you'll be amazed at how you begin to transform your interactions with your customers. Love it. Well, Varian, I cannot thank you enough for being on the show today. I can't even believe it's already been an hour. Oh, my goodness. I know. It's like, you know what? When you're talking with friends, it makes it real easy. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I want to thank you again, though, for doing the show. I know you're extremely busy, and I really do appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me today. No, absolutely. I'm so glad to be here and just have enjoyed spending this time with you and having an opportunity to share with you and with your community. So thank you for having me. Thanks so much, Varian. We'll talk soon. Alrighty. Bye-bye. When it comes to business, some of the biggest hurdles to overcome is ourselves. Varian's no-nonsense approach to the growth of your business centers around your mindset, something she is an expert at cracking. Just when you think you know what it is that's holding you back, she is there to help you step outside of your box and step into a purpose-driven entrepreneur. We all have challenges. But we all need support, mentorship, and action in order to move forward. 
You also might need motivation to gain that courage to create the life that you've always dreamed of. And if value or worth are getting in your own way, be sure to visit her website, knowhowtocharge.com, where she offers 10 expert tips, all for free, on how to sell your value and not your perceived number. I want to thank you for listening today. I'm your host, Amanda, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast as much as I have. If you'd like more information on this show or have questions or comments, email me at info at abhomeinteriors.com. You can also visit the blog at abhomeinteriors.com forward slash blog. And look me up on Twitter at the Amanda Gates. Bye for now.